Greetings, everyone. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Bearspa, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. Also want to welcome our online viewers as well. We are in a sermon series from the book of Exodus, and this is week number four. And so far in this series, we've seen the providential outworking of God's plan in the midst of chaos and mayhem. God protected three-month-old baby Moses, and he is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So this Hebrew kid is now raised in the palace of Pharaoh himself, is immersed in Egyptian education and lifestyle. And Moses turns out to be a man powerful in word and action. As a 40-year-old, Moses was so confident in his gifts and abilities that he took matters into his own hands. Seeing his people being oppressed by the Egyptians, Moses assumed the role of the deliverer. He thought, his people would say, you're the leader we've been waiting for all along. Would you now please lead us out of Egypt? But things didn't pan out that way. Everything unraveled in a matter of moments as the people of Israel rejected Moses' leadership. And Moses had to flee from Egypt as a fugitive. He ends up being a foreigner in the foreign land of Midian. Moses finds himself in the Sinai Peninsula, a desert area full of sand and rock. He's welcomed by this nomadic tribe and becomes a sheep herder. For 40 years, Moses lives a life of total anonymity, away from all the spotlight and action. For 40 years is a long time. But here in the wilderness, God was shaping and molding Moses and preparing him for what was going to unfold next in his life. Moses is now 80 years old, and finally he receives an assignment from God that will unfold the central purpose of his life. So with this in mind, let's look at one of the most famous passages in the book of Exodus, where God reveals himself to Moses in the desert through a burning bush. And towards the end of this message, we will celebrate in the Lord's Supper together. So if you're watching us online, have a piece of bread and some juice ready so you can participate in this worship experience with us at the end of the message. Our text for today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. And if you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Exodus 3, 1 to 15. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face 
because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Would you pray with me? Lord, we recognize even we are standing on holy ground, and you are here with us. And we want to encounter you just as Moses encountered you in a powerful way. So, Lord, we pray that you will open our hearts and our eyes to be able to see you in a fresh new way, to be able to receive your call and respond in obedience to your words. So come and personalize this message for us and minister to each one of us in the power of your Spirit. We pray this in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You all may be seated. Do you know the central purpose of your life? The God who created you and brought you into existence has an assignment with your name on it. You've been uniquely wired and gifted to play this specific role. Many people think the pursuit of happiness is the most important of life's pursuits. After all, they reason, who doesn't want to be happy? A new job, a new relationship, a new car, a new home, a new hobby. I'll pursue all things in life that will add to my happiness. But there's something more important than happiness in our life, and that is the sense of significance that all of us crave for. Without meaning or significance, the mere pursuit of happiness leads to a selfish, self-centered life. Happiness is about chasing after a good feeling, and it revolves around us. But significance is about contributing to others. It's about serving others and blessing others. The good news is we don't have to come up with a purpose for our life. God already has one for us. Our responsibility is to discover that purpose, for that is the path 
to lasting satisfaction. Now, our scripture text today helps us to understand how God reveals our life's purpose, the mission that motivates and spurs our life. We're going to learn about the unique assignment that God has for us through His dealings with Moses. Now, what was the difference between Moses at age 40 and Moses at age 80? Apart from a lot more gray hairs, this is a major difference that we see. Moses at age 40 was strong and self-sufficient. He was raring to go to make a difference for God in his own strength. But he had a, a long way to go in terms of character formation. Forty years in the desert will serve as a season of self-discovery. It will chisel the rough edges, empty Moses of all of his self-sufficiency. Moses will learn to lean on God and trust Him as opposed to his own gifts and talents. Now, at 80, Moses did not have the same level of physical strength, but he was spiritually ready for the assignment that God had for him. Now, there is a lesson here for us. It doesn't matter how gifted and talented we are. If we don't cultivate character, our lives will not amount to much. So that explains why God is patiently working behind the scenes of our life, formulating character in us so we will be people of integrity. Then we can live a life of lasting influence. As we open our text uh, in Exodus chapter 3, it begins with these words in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, that's pretty much been Moses' life for the last four decades, the daily routine of caring for sheep, leading them to pasture in the hot sun, walking in the wilderness with sparse vegetation and water, and we don't have any record of God speaking to Moses during those 40 years. Moses had forgotten Egypt. He had forgotten his own people, the Israelites. He's now a foreigner in a foreign land. It was a regular day, an ordinary day in the office, a day like any other. And Moses had an unexpected meeting with God in Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. And this encounter with God will unfold his life's calling, the assignment for which God had been preparing Moses all along. Here's verses 2 and 3. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? Burning bushes was not an uncommon sight in the wilderness. But the curious thing was this one kept burning. The bush did not turn into ashes, and that caught Moses' attention. If there's anything extended times of solitude do, it increases our ability to notice the activity of God all around us. When life is going at lightning speed, we are preoccupied with so many things that we don't pay attention. We walk 
past the appointments that God has scheduled for us because we are quick to move to the next item in our agenda. But God is speaking to us all the time. You know, the problem is we are desensitized to His voice. But in the wilderness seasons of life, God tunes our heart so we can listen to His voice, be alert and ready when He speaks. That's what we, we see in our text. Verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. And the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he spoke to Moses. Now that sentence can be translated, At the same time Moses went up to God, he spoke to him. Right? So Moses stopped in his tracks, turned away from the routine to pay attention to something unusual, a burning bush, and God spoke to him. It's almost like God had been waiting for this moment for a long time. Even in our lives, God may get our attention through such unusual events. Now, I don't think every unusual event in life is God orchestrated, but at the same time, don't dismiss those moments. God may very well use those unusual, unexpected, unforeseen events of life to be an attention grabber and reveal something of significance to you. And I've heard this from people over and over. A close brush with death, a health diagnosis, a loss of job, a financial collapse, God may use such unforeseen, unusual events in our life to relay a life-changing message. And here, in Moses' case, we see that he reveals himself through this encounter. Now, the text says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in flames of fire. But as you read further, you will see that uh, Moses is not just encountering an angel, but he's encountering God himself. There are a few different places in the Old Testament that an encounter with the angel of the Lord is presented as an encounter with the Lord Himself. And that's because that word translated as angel simply means messenger. It's not always referring to winged creatures. We have a, a messenger representing God as an ambassador and is personified as God Himself. Some Bible scholars believe these are pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And that is quite possible, and you can build a case for that. But what we do know is Moses encountered not just an angel, but he encountered God himself through this experience. God calls Moses by name. And once again, we see the difference between Moses at age 40, and Moses more matured at age 80. A 40-year-old Moses would have jumped at this opportunity and said, God, what took you so long? I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Well, here's my resume. I can do a lot of things. What do you want me to do for you? When can I get started? Moses at age 40 was anticipating the call of God. But at age 80... Moses didn't have the same level of strength and stamina. He didn't have that level of confidence. So all Moses says in response is, 
Lord, here I am. It's me. The divine call came at a time when Moses least expected it. God had not forgotten Moses or his promises to his people. For 40 years, Moses thought his life was going to amount to nothing. For 40 years, he lived with the pain of failure. 40 years, Moses was a nobody. And all of that was about to change through this one encounter. Here's verses uh, 7 to 10 in our text. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I want you to pay attention to how God presents himself as the subject in this conversation. He says, I have seen their misery. I've heard their cry. I'm concerned about their suffering. Now, that word concerned is actually a weak translation. The original word in Hebrew is yada, which means I know, speaking of God's deep, intimate knowledge. God says, I know their suffering. And this is not just talking about cognitive knowledge. Of course, God knows the suffering of his people, but this is talking about an experiential knowledge. God deeply relating with the sufferings of his people. This broke God's heart. It wrecked him when the Israelites were making bricks in the hard sun when the slave masters were driving them and abusing them, and when they cried out to God in desperation, God was suffering with them. He wasn't an outsider observing all of this from a safe distance. He was an insider who was suffering alongside his own people. I'll tell you, that is a, a unique conception of God. A God who suffers, who feels our pain and identifies with our heartbreaks and griefs. If you have a mental conception of a God who is distant and aloof and far off, I tell you that is not the God of the Bible. Whenever God sees our deep human needs, His heart goes up. So God says to Moses, I'm going to deliver my people from their slavery, lead them out of Egypt into a spacious land, the land of promise. And notice something significant here. God is deeply moved by his people's suffering. He wants to set his people free. He is eager to deliver them and lead them out of Egypt to the promised land, but he's not going to do it alone. God is looking to send someone who can activate this plan. God wants to use a human agent. Now, how does God accomplish His will in the world today? 
it is primarily through human agents. It's not that God is dependent on us, but He's giving us the privilege of partnering with Him. Now, at the beginning of the sermon, I asked you, do you know God's central purpose for your life? There comes a time in your life when God's call and your life's central purpose will intersect. God is concerned about the brokenness in our world today. His heart aches when he sees pain and sorrow. And there are a myriad of hurts and all kinds of heartbreaks and troubles that are all around us. And God is keen on rebuilding our world, but he's not going to do it alone without us. He's seeking human agents. God wants to work through us. He gives us the privilege of partnership. And that is where your life's central purpose comes to play. When you hear His call and when you respond to Him, then you are commissioned as a representative of God in this rebuilding mission. Now maybe you're wondering, how can I know God's purpose for my life? How do I go about discovering this? Here is one way. What is something that's close to the heart of God that is also close to your heart? What needs around you keep grabbing your attention? What's stirring your heart deep inside that is also concerning to the heart of God? When God's heart and your heart align over the same issue, when that feeling is mutual, you're sensing what God is sensing, then there may be your life's mission. Someone put it slightly differently when they said, where does your deep gladness and the world's deep need intersect? Where does your deep gladness and the world's deep need intersect? You're compelled to meet those needs. It actually thrills your heart. It stirs everything within you. It motivates you. It brings the best out of you. You will do it even if you're not going to be paid for it. There is your purpose in life. And don't ever forget, you're made for a mission. You have something to offer in God's plan to rebuild this world. And all along, He's been shaping you and preparing you and molding you to bring you to that place in life where He can reveal that purpose to you. And that's what we see clearly in the story of Moses. Forty years prior to this burning bush experience, when Moses saw the oppression of his people, that moment when he witnessed the Egyptian beating the Hebrew. Moses said, I can't take it anymore. I need to do something about it. Moses was feeling the heart of God. That was Moses' heart breaking for what was breaking the heart of God. And God noticed that. And he started preparing Moses spiritually, shaped him and molded him through a painstaking process. Moses was being refined and prepared. And finally, when he was ready, he receives that commission. 
God encounters him, and he says, Moses, I feel the same way that you're feeling. I'm sending you now on a joint mission to represent me. You will be the expression of my heart. You will be my hands and my feet. This is not about you. It is all about me. I'm the one who's initiating this. Now go on my behalf, Moses. History is full of examples of people who discovered their life's mission this way. They felt the burden of God. They were being shaped and prepared by God for a season. And then they responded to His call and went out as His ambassadors. You may be burdened to reach a particular people group with the gospel. Your heart may break over a social justice issue that is prevalent in our world today. You may sense a call to full-time Christian ministry and move out of the marketplace. You may feel the need to take a different job that will allow you more time to volunteer in the church and serve as a group leader or invest in the lives of kids and youth. You may sense an overwhelming love and passion for a cause that you want to rally behind. Every follower of Jesus Christ has a distinct role to play in this joint mission. Our life is not about us. We are not at the center. It is all about God and His overarching purpose for our lives. 80-year-old Moses finally learned that lesson. And as a result, he was ready for this new assignment. So here's God calling and commissioning Moses. I want us to look at Moses' response. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? This is a humble response of surprise, an admission of inadequacy. And when you have failed, when you feel like you have let God down, when you're broken on the inside, you lose all of your confidence. And that's where Moses found himself. Remember, Moses was a man who was mighty in word and action. And now he feels no longer qualified for the job. And we'll see more of this next weekend when we talk about Moses wrestling with his insecurities. And basically, Moses' response was, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I'm 80 years old, I'm no spring chicken. I'm dealing with all kinds of aches and pain. I keep reaching for that Tylenol bottle. And besides, they have that wanted sign in the post office in Egypt with my photo on it. Who am I to go to the most powerful human being on earth and say to him, let my people go? That was Moses' struggle. And God says, Moses, you got this wrong. 
I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to be available so I can do this through you. Moses was only an instrument. He was not the deliverer. God was the deliverer. Moses' job was to merely comply and cooperate with God. Look at God's response to Moses' objection. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. It really didn't matter who Moses is. What mattered was who was going to be with Moses. And God was saying, Moses, I will be with you. Not for a moment will you be alone. Not for a moment will you be forsaken. I will be with you and give you all that you need in order to fulfill this assignment for me. And there in our text, we see an incredible self-revelation of God when God reveals His name. Faced with this intimidating challenge, Moses is saying, God, I want to know your name so when I go to my people and say, you know, I've been sent and commissioned, I can say, this is the God who has sent me. So in response to that, this is what God says in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. It can also be translated, I will be who I will be. It is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency. God is totally sufficient in himself to accomplish all that he wants to. God is not dependent on anything or anybody. He alone is sovereign and powerful and able to orchestrate all things. Interestingly, in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses this very phrase to refer to himself as the I am, that he is the God of the Exodus. To a doubting Moses, God reveals his name, his character, his attributes. What that means is, through the topsy-turvy nature of life, God was going to be that constant and provide all that Moses would need to fulfill his call. That is the significance of the name, I am. And it has application for us. For when we discover God's central purpose for our life, and we question, who am I to do this? This task is too great for me. When you feel the burden of God in your heart and you want to step out in obedience, but you feel intimidated, then you need to remember God is the great I am, and He will be all that you need Him to be. You will lack nothing, no matter how intimidating your assignment may seem, because of His presence. He is all you need. He is sufficient. He is more than enough for you. God has a unique assignment with your name on it. He wants to share His burden with you, and He wants to do this through you. You know, when a great 
artist takes a brush and with a few strokes they paint a masterpiece. It's not the brush that we give credit to, but it's the one who holds the brush. In the same way, all of our accomplishments, however great they are, puts the spotlight on God and His glory and His ability to use ordinary people like us. So don't hesitate to be all in, to play the role God has uniquely assigned for you. The question is never, are you going to do great things for God? The question is, are you going to allow God to do great things through you? 